If you remember, we started off last week, uh, verse 1. We worked through it. We talked about a little about how the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I just want to quickly catch you up to where we were. Uh, the word of the Lord came to, to Jonah. It was not a surprise to him to hear from God. He was a, a true prophet of God who had heard God's word before, had communicated it correctly. And uh, so we have no reason to suspect in verses 1 and 2 that he won't do the same thing this time. Uh, and we talked about also how we don't want to have this one incident ruin our image of of the prophet that Jonah truly was. If we go back to 2 Kings and we read about him, we see that he was uh, a very a successful prophet by, by biblical definition. Uh, a prophet who says something and it comes true, he was a prophet. So uh, we talked about that, uh, the urgency of, of what God told him to get up and go in verse 2, uh, arise quickly, um, left no room for Jonah to argue about it, told him where to go. We talked about the brutality of the Assyrians, and he's told here to go to, to Nineveh, that great city, uh, great because there were people there. That's why, it was, that was why it was great, not for any other reason, although it could have been that its, its size or uh, the, its position in uh, the geopolitical climate of the day, but every city is great because every city contains people God's love, God loves, which would be everybody in that city. So, uh, wicked city, horrible, horrible people, and that sinfulness of those people had confronted God, and we see in the end of verse 2, had come up before him, literally, he had seen it, seen what they were doing, and that gets us to verse 3. After this call, after this clear no doubt about what was supposed to happen, call, after this imperative command that was really just uh, two words, get up, arise, go, uh, then we get Jonah's response. And we see, oh, and yes, I got the slides in on time this week, so there you go. Pat me on the back after the service. Um, we see this word, however, um, we like the word but, right? God tells us to do something. Not even God. Our parents told us to do something because all of us here had them. Uh, parents say, but, but, but mom, but, but dad, but, but, but. Well, that is not Aunt Jonah's answer, but it is the narrative. But or however Jonah. See, this is the beginning of disobedience. Anytime we as Christ followers, we as God's tools, as I talked about this morning, have our narrative with God interrupted by a however, it almost always, and I would say like 99.997% of the time, is the beginning of our disobedience. If our if our narrative in our relationship with God does not sound more like God said and Michael then it's almost always going to end in disobedience if I say and God said God said but Michael or however Michael you know what's coming don't you he didn't do what he's supposed to 
And that's exactly what we see here with Jonah. So I would tell you and me, let's keep the buts out of our lives. Uh, keep the howevers out of our relationship with God and hear him and, and obey him when he says to do something. So however, Jonah got up and fled. Now, this, this is a great literary device in the original language that we don't really see. Again, it's two words. Uh, it, it, it is action. So we see verse 2 begin with the, the, what God says, Arise, go. Verse 3 says, Jonah arose and fled. It's very clear in the Hebrew language that Jonah here is doing the exact opposite of, of what God tells him to. And you almost get, I mean, nobody reads this slowly, I understand, but you, you almost get some, some suspense here. Uh, however, Jonah got up. Oh, good, way to go, Jonah. Maybe we get, no, no. Jonah got up and fled. And, and the language carries the same urgency as the command from God. So with the same intensity and the same urgency, the same uh, desire to see something done that God said, Arise, go, Jonah arose and fled. I know none of us do that here, but occasionally some Christians treat God the same way. We hear the clear call, the clear command, and we, we respond just quickly to do the exact opposite of what God tells us to do. Another reason maybe we shouldn't look, too, uh, look down our noses too much on Jonah because I'm certain we've all been a Jonah once or twice. So what did he get up to do? Did he, he got up to, to flee to Tarshish. Now, what's interesting is the, the word Tarshish is, well, it's fun to say anyway, um, Tarshish. Sounds like you got a really bad speech impediment, like you're trying to say Tarsus, where Paul's from, but you just can't quite do it. Tarshish. Um, it's not what it is. It, 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 it mentions Tarshish three times in this verse. Do you notice that? Have you ever thought about it, how it, it doesn't mention Nineveh three times? And that was where he was supposed to go. But three times it mentions this city that, uh, that he was going to flee to. And, and I think it's that, repetitive, uh, that repetition is, is important. God, through his word, is giving us an, an extremely clear picture. Just, he's really saying, are, are you getting this, readers of this, this book, of this uh, prophecy of this narrative are you understanding how far jonah went to get away from god now for us today it, it doesn't mean as much as it did for them back then and i don't know how well you're going to be able to see it but we're going to try it uh, the next picture the slide is a map um yeah okay i don't have my i usually have a pointer and i, I don't have my laser pointer way over here in the bottom right hand corner you can kind of see, you can see Turkey sticking out there. Now, none of the place names are what we need to see on this map because this is a map of Paul's missionary journeys. I couldn't find a map uh, of, um, <clears throat> from the time of Jonah with all the correct names. So you'll just have to believe me when I tell you this. Bottom right-hand corner is Israel. Joppa is down there where we're going to find out 
that uh, Jonah ran to. Tarshish is way over here, right around the Strait of Gibraltar. Southern Spain is what it is today. In the Mediterranean world, that was about as far as you could go from Nineveh, which would have been over here somewhere in the uh, stained glass, that first middle panel, the stained glass, maybe a little higher, uh, in the baptistry. He went not just the opposite direction, but pretty much as far as you could in his day, the opposite direction. Paul was making this journey some 800 years or so after uh, Jonah made his journey. He was getting as far away from the responsibility he was called to as he possibly could. I, I know people, uh, I've known of people that were called to the ministry that, that would do, you know, kind of the same thing with their lives. I, I mean, I, I, they wouldn't become the exact opposite of a pastor. It wasn't that, but it would almost seem that they, they, you were called to be here at this place to do this, and you went that direction. I mean, you just, you totally told God no, and in the end, tried to run from it, because that's, that's what uh, Jonah does here in the, re, the next section of verse 3. He, he fled to Tarshish, from the Lord's presence. Now, Jonah wasn't stupid. Um, there there were, was a common view in this time that gods were uh, uh, held by the land where they were worshipped. So much so that if you read the story of... Uh, if you read that story of that guy <laughs> in, uh, I believe it was First Kings, I want to say it's Naaman, uh, but I'm not sure about that, so don't quote me. There was a, a, a guy that uh, uh, Elijah was talking to, or Elisha, rather, was, was talking to, telling him, you know, go, go wash yourself, dip yourself in the, the river. See, I didn't look this up before I came up here. This was just something that came to me. So uh, correct me. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and, and he was healed. Uh, he was the servant of the king of, uh, I want to say, Assyria at this time. Go dip yourself, go wash yourself, and go home and, and you'll be fine. And he did. Well, he wanted to thank God for it. So what did he ask for? And this is the point, not that I can't remember all this stuff, but there actually is a point. He wanted some dirt from Israel to take with him to, so that when he prayed to Yahweh, some of the dirt from Yahweh's land was with him. Why? Because there was some connection between the God and the dirt. Now, Jonah did not believe that. But the, the, a lot of the readers of this time might have, or at least would have recognized that possibility. Jonah knew that God was going to be with him wherever he went. What Jonah specifically was trying to get away from here was the temple. Jonah was running from the place where God was. Now, I know a lot of people that do that as, have done that as well. They're called to the ministry, so they quit going to church. God won't call me to the ministry if I'm not at church hearing his word. That's basically what Jonah was, was saying. He, he, he knew he couldn't get away from God. He, he was just trying to get away from the place that he knew God spoke most regularly. At the very least, he was trying to get away from the place where God spoke most loudly. 
And so he didn't even want to stick around town because every time he walked by, oh, there's where God speaks. Now, again, Jonah was a northern kingdom guy. He wasn't southern kingdom. He wasn't from Judah. He was from Israel. Israel's capital was Samaria, so the temple wasn't there. But he didn't even want to be in what they knew of as the promised land. He wanted to get out of there because there was just too much, too much memory for him there. So he was gone. He went to Tarshish. Tarshish was a major port city. He was looking to drown out the voice of God in this distant land with different cultures. I'm just going to remove myself completely from everything I know about God, and then I just can't hear him anymore. <clears throat> doesn't work, though, does it? It doesn't work with us even just on a, on a normal level. We try to. We, we, we think, well, you know, God's telling me to do this, but if I just turn the TV up loud, I can't hear him, or, or something like that. We have those ideas. You would never say that out loud because you know everybody would think you were a little off your rocker if you, if you vocalized it. But you know you think that because I have. I've thought, well, if I just ignore this, it'll go away. Like it's a, a rash that'll dry up by itself or something. That's just not the case with God's calling on our lives, is it? Oh, God may quit calling. God may, may stop talking. But it doesn't mean the calling has gone away. It, it really just means that we've lost the opportunity to experience the blessing that we would have had if we had been obedient. It means that we have chosen for so long to ignore him that God has given us over to our desires and said, if this is how you want it, all right, fine. See how it works without me for a little while. That's, that's the way it goes. He didn't, he didn't let that happen with Jonah, though, though we might say that he gave him a taste of what it was like to be away from him. But we continue verse 3. Uh, he, uh, he, he went down to Joppa there in, uh, in Israel. And notice the, the repetition of this word. And we're going to see this many times over. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the ship. Uh, then we're going to see later on that he went down into the sea. And while there, he went down into the fish. Down, 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 down. It's about as, as far as I can get. Disobedience always takes us further and further. We think we're only going to go this far in disobedience. But inevitably, that disobedience forces us into a, a, another position. Or maybe, maybe we're, we, we choose to turn away from God so much that, that we're, I'm, I'm going to go further and further and further away from him. That's, that's what we see Jonah trying to do here further and further away from God. And you just can't, get, just can't get away from him. We'll see that in chapter 2 when Jonah prays from inside the fish. From at the very lowest point he thinks he could be in, he realizes that even there, God hasn't left him. God hasn't quit speaking to him. God hasn't quit calling him. God's still working on him. And that is an incredible act of mercy and I think a great message for us. That no matter how far 
we go, no matter how many times we rebel, no matter how far down, 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 down we go to get away from God, He still chases us. He's still there. We may effectively drown out His voice. We may effectively put Him in a position where He stops calling. And we think, yes, we've won. But even there, there He is waiting for us, if we will, to turn around to pray a prayer like Jonah did from the depths of his despair. So he goes down, it says he, he paid the fare uh, in Joppa. Interesting phrase, for one thing, he's, what the, the, the writer of Jonah is doing is, is just moving the action along. I mean, it's it's, we're, we're keeping up. Okay, Jonah heard this, and he went down to Joppa. He paid the fare. He got on the boat. and they, So we can kind of follow this rather than suddenly going from Joppa to the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. But something else here, that there are scholars that read this, and they, they see it as not just paying the fare, but possibly, uh, well, first of all, let me say this, it's careful planning to avoid God's command. He, he made arrangements, Right? He, he had to go to the bank and get out the money or, or whatever it is he did. He, he got up, he, he reacted quickly to God's call to go one way and instead went the other. And he, he made all the arrangements that are necessary. He plotted his disobedience, carefully planned his disobedience. This is not um, a sin of omission. Oh, I forgot. Oh, I didn't hear him. Oh, I didn't realize what I was doing. This was well-thought-out disobedience. But it's possible, and this is what scholars think with this phrase, it is possible he bought the boat. Or at the very least, rented out the whole thing. Now, it could be that Jonah was just incredibly wealthy. That's possible. It's not, not outside the realm of possibility at all. But it's also, if the scholars are correct that he bought the boat or or, or bought every room in it, every cabin, rented the whole thing to go to Tarshish, that he was willing to sell everything he had to disobey, to avoid obedience. What does God call us to do? What does Jesus tell us to do? In taking up our cross, what are we doing? We are denying ourselves everything. He tells the rich young ruler, you want to you wanna be, you, 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 wow, you got all those commandments? Dude, you're doing all right. Let me tell you what you need to do. Sell everything. And the young man went away sad because he was very wealthy. See, God calls us to be willing to give up everything. He doesn't necessarily call us to give up everything. It's not a command in Scripture. In order to be my disciple, you must sell everything. That's not the command. But has he called people to sell everything in order to follow him, in order to be obedient to him. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if, if you felt the call to be a missionary today, you would most likely sell as much of your stuff as you could, if not everything. Because it, wherever you're going, it might not, you might not need it. It might not be worth having. You, you know, your, your KitchenAid uh, mixer may not work in, in the African bush where they don't have electricity. So, you know, you don't need those things. You might be called to give up everything that, that you have, everything that you know of as a comfort. 
And that would be great if you would do it. We would all support you and buy your stuff and enjoy using it. Jonah, though, makes a mockery, I think, here. If, if the scholars are correct, he makes a mockery of the sell everything, give up everything, and follow me. Because he sells everything. He gives up everything. Y'all, he's not going to Tarshish for a day or two. This isn't a, a, a weekend cruise through, through the Bahamas or, or, or to, to Cozumel or whatever. He's leaving. He's done. He is going to Tarshish to start a new life. He has sold everything not to follow, but to be disobedient. So it is, while we don't want to lay too much on Jonah because he was a man of God who did things well for a long time and probably for a long time after this, this was a major major failing on his part. Let this be a warning to us all. It does not matter how long you have followed God. It doesn't matter how obedient you have been your entire life. It doesn't matter how good you are, how, how much you follow the Ten Commandments or, or, or uh, how well you exhibit the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. It doesn't matter all those things because there can come a time where God calls you to do X and you say, not on your tin type. I am out of here. I'm done with this. I've done the A and B and C and D and all the way up to whatever letter comes before X. V. I had to think through the alphabet right quick. I've done everything, God, and now you're calling me to this? Forget it. Because you, the next thing you're going to ask me to do is Why? And who knows what Z is, and I don't want to even get there. So, God, I'm done. We're no better than Jonah. We're no more, we can be no more faithful than Jonah. So let's take him as a, a cautionary example and see that we want to give up, be willing to give up whatever God calls us to give up in order to be obedient not be willing to give up everything in order to be disobedient. So again, we, we get this phrase from the Lord's presence. He, he started off that way uh, in verse 3. However, Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence, went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish to flee from the Lord's presence, or from the Lord's presence. The author, again, by the direction of the Holy Spirit, nails us with that. That verse begins and ends with fleeing from the Lord's presence and, and tells us three different times where and how far. He's making clear, the author is, the goal of Jonah. He's letting us know, again, this is not a pleasure cruise. This is not a temporary thing. This isn't spring break. This isn't a summer break. He is quitting God at this point, Jonah is. Now, he's not quitting the faith, but he is quitting the calling. He is saying, God, I am done with what you have told me to do. It is too hard. I've forgotten what the statistic is for the number of pastors that quit every year. 
ministers that quit every year. And I don't mean quit their church, I mean quit the ministry. And I want to say it's something on the lines of 1,800 a year. And it may be more frequent than that. I may be getting the number right, but it might be 1,800 a month or something crazy like that. That, that actually seems to be more accurate. And I'm sure you could Google it and, uh, and find out. But why? Well, there, there are thousand and one reasons. And, and, and a lot of those deal with, well, deal with people and, and, and the inability to communicate for whatever reason back and forth. And it's, but primarily, you know what it comes down to? It's just too hard. It is just too hard. Maybe they've spent years at a church where they preached and preached and preached and nothing, nothing, no, no movement, nothing. It was like preaching to the walls might, have well, might as well have been no one in the building for all the good it was doing. They just felt like they were worthless and, and some of them even actually told him he was. And so, so he's done. He's out of there. He, he's, he's gone. And, and it, it, he, he, that was the third church that, that was like that. And so he was, he was finished with the ministry. This is not what God called me to. I have friends that have quit the ministry, and I don't know why. I haven't been close enough to them over the years to learn why, but they have. And, and I know what their last position was, and, and vaguely anyway, and, and they're done. They're not in the ministry anymore. And, you know, they'll say maybe, well, God called me out of it. That's easy to say, but I wonder. But, but let's be clear, that's not Jonah's excuse. He's not, his, his response is not going to be later on, well, God, I, you, I, I tried and I tried and I tried and I just wasn't a successful prophet. We know that not to be the case. Sometimes we quit because the next assignment is just too hard. And we say, no, I'm, forget it. I'm, I'm not going there. And then, you know, th- this, is, this is my testimony here. Uh, th- this is not now, but it was a part of, of what we went through as a couple uh, in 2003. We told God no, and someday I'll give you an entire sermon one Sunday morning of, of our testimony and, uh, and what it's like to tell God no. I don't recommend it. Um, don't put that on your bucket list. Because you, you get, he, he lets you go. <clears throat> you tell him no, he's, he's like, all right. And, and, and I spent six months at one church and six months at another church and uh, a year in a ministry and a year and three months at another church and four years uh, unsuccessfully, by the world standards, planting a church. And, and, and all of that, I can look back at every step of the way and say at the beginning, I told God no. Why? Because the next assignment that I knew without a doubt was my calling was too hard. And I said no. And I didn't go the other direction. Technically, I just kind of went past where he was calling me. But might as well have been the other direction. It might as well have been Joppa to Tarshish or Nineveh to Tarshish for all the good I did in the area where he called me. And I spent my years, we spent our years, in the wilderness. Or, in this case, the belly of a fish. Sinking down down, down, as Jonah's going to talk about in chapter 2. The waves crashing over us, 
over and over again, not being able to catch our breath, not being able to, to, to get our heads above water. We know the experience of saying no, of, of uh, ignoring the calling. <clears throat> and it's not a good place to be. And see, this for Jonah, again, this was not just, I'm, I'm done, God, with, with you. This was really a disagreement with God over the, the strategy. He, he's telling God, I, I, don't, I don't like this. I don't like this whole reaching out to Nineveh thing. We're going to find out this later, and we'll talk about it more, but I'll prepare you now. It's really about what God is showing Jonah. Remember, Revelation throughout the Bible, I don't mean the book of Revelation throughout the Bible, I mean God's revelation to man throughout the Bible was progressive. He, he showed himself a little more and a little more and a little more. One understanding for Abraham. Not that he was not fully God at the time, not that he was uh, changed in any way, but he showed Abraham, this is who I need you to know me as right now. And then down the road a little bit, he showed Moses a little more. This is who I need you to know me as right now. Let me give you a little broader glimpse, a little bigger view into who I am. Uh, David, a little bigger. The prophets, a little bigger. Uh, the, 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 the writings, the, the, the captivity, uh, understanding God a little bit bigger until he presented himself as a triune God, a, 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 a three-in-one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in one. He, he's, he's presenting himself a little differently. He also presented the way he dealt with people a little differently as he showed himself to be uh, uh, more complicated than they might have expected. He dealt with the Jews in a particular way, and as they grew and grew as a nation and, and rebelled and disobeyed, he showed himself to be a little different. Here with Jonah, he is showing a new strategy, a new way of dealing with people, because in the past, God would have smoked the Ninevites just outright, dealt with them and said, forget it. You have rebelled against me. Boom, you're gone. And he did it with Sodom and Gomorrah. He, he did it with Tyre and Sidon. He, he, he is able to do that. But at this point, he's telling Jonah, you know what? Let me introduce you to, to mercy. Because this is something we're going to we're gonna have to really understand later on, Jonah. We're, in about six, seven hundred years, the world is going to understand mercy in a way that's just radical. When... My son comes along and shows mercy in a way, shows, shows a willingness to not just put up with people's sin, but to be crushed by their sin. But you're not ready for that now. I need about six or seven hundred years to kind of work through that and prepare you. So it began here, possibly, with Nineveh, going to a people who were extremely rebellious to God's ways. We see a, a, a broader glimpse of that, as they are, as the Jews are taken into captivity. And Jeremiah tells them, when you're in captivity in Babylon, get married, have kids, build a house, work the ground, pray for the good, for the blessing of the city you're in. We see Daniel doing basically that very thing. We, we see this mercy for all people, even people that don't look like and, 
and, and think like and are much more rebellious than we are, God's showing Jonah something uh, very different, this, this new mercy, so that when Jesus comes along and says, y'all, I'm here for everybody, Jew, Gentile, and we see it clearly in the missionary journey of Paul, Jesus saying, it's for everybody. Well, Jonah didn't like the for everybody part. Jonah didn't like the idea that God was going to show mercy on these, not just pagans, but these ruthless, evil, disgusting people. That can't be God's plan. Absolutely it can be God's plan. It's God's plan today. That we as a church would show the love to ruthless, ugly, disgusting, pagan people. Because those are the people, just like you and me, the pretty, cleaned up ones, right? The ones that got it all together, got it all figured out. He loves them just as much as he loves us. That's the God that Jonah, uh, that, that, that is introducing himself to Jonah. Jonah's not happy about that. Well, we're going to see what happens when, when we don't like the way God chooses to use us next week. 